0: Ladies and gentlemen, I am currently in a state of lethargy. You can probably hear my voice, and the only reason why is because of one thing. It's because of Stardog. If you know, you know. Okay. (laughs) In the West Public Academy, Chuck D. Bring the noise. Podcast Network. I'm Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Let me tell you about my Friday. eh? (laughs) (laughs) So, I told it, I told a bit of what's good, pretty much the you know, the abridged version, but I want to go a little bit deeper. Like, so, um, yeah, so on Friday, I uh, well hopefully you guys spun the the long read um, that i dropped that day uh, which was about top boy a uh, feature firecrack magazine um and it was a good timing that i did that because um at the same time as i was as i was I mummy mean, i as i was like dropping that um and putting it on socials and that i was currently waiting um for uh, i was in between two panels between the first one which featured um uh, star of uh, Top Boy, Ashley Walters, um, creator and writer of the show, or head writer of the show, Ronan Bennett, and uh, producer Alistair something, I forget the name, apologies for that. And uh, yeah, you know, that was kind of, that was cool. And um, I mean, I've kind of skipped a lot of, i skipped a lot of everything, um, but it was at the Truman Brewery, shout out to them, and it was basically this really open space, like kind of like a mini warehouse kind of space, right, really open, open flooring. Um and yeah, there was just like tons of um, just little photography pieces, um, some physical pieces, physical artworks like um, you know, tracksuits from the two thousands, you know, Av, Aver- excuse me, Avruch jackets, yada yada. Um, there's like a table, like little tape, little plinth with um, just a, uh, just uh, old school Nokia phones, brick phones, you know what I mean, thirty three tens, all that stuff, right. Um, just peak two thousands vibes, and it was like in the in the top corner, on the right corner. As soon as you enter, if you just do a right, um, there was um, uh, like a just a feat, like a, a, a yeah, just a loop of like really old school, just British um music videos from like the two thousands. Um, so some throwbacks on that one. Uh, but yeah, it was, was kind of cool, right? So in the middle, you kind of had like the main bit where the panels were. Um, The second panel featured um, a majority of the characters uh, from Top Boy, Sims, Michael Woods, um, uh, 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 Jasmine Jobson, uh, Saffron Hocking. Um, Yeah, so it was was really good. It was really good. And uh, I managed to finesse a question. Uh, from Lil Sims, and I, and she gave me eye contact. Do you understand how gassed I was just in that moment? I was just like, she's she's talking to me, like she's she's talking, but she's looking at me. And she's answering the question that I posed to her, and I was like, shit, man, this is it. This is great. This is great. But um, yeah, it was outstanding. Honestly, it was outstanding. Um, and yeah, man, it was great. I, I, just, and that was only half my day. I was only half my day. I got up at, like, 7am, and I didn't go better until, like, 3am. I was, like... And I was, I was good. I slept like a baby, and it was good, enough, but I felt good going throughout the day, honestly. Um, but, yeah, second half of the night, second half of the day, in the night, went to the jazz cafe, got there nice and early, because I was kind of just a bit... I felt a bit like... Um, I had something to eat in between. I needed to sit down, you know what I mean? Just, you know, just chill a bit. Um, so I got there early. Um, just an hour before, like, you know, everything popped, uh, the, the actual show came out, you know, sort of down my camera in that, lost my lens, uh, lost my, uh, lens cap for my, for my camera, so that was a bit peak, but i got another one, it's fine, um, but yeah, you know, I got some, I got some of the best photos I've gotten so far with my camera, Gina, um, it was just, yeah, there's was just, it's just some really good photos on there, man, like, when, the, when the lighting hits in the Jazz Cafe, it fucking hits, it's absolutely outstanding, um, I really just, uh, I loved it. I love it, I love it how, I love when they come out, just so good. Like even Raw, they came out fine, but when I got when I got to Eddie in a couple of them, Justin Shadows on a couple of them, oh my gosh, oof, ooh oof, damn son, that shit glistened, it was glorious, uh, really good photos. But yeah man, it was a really good Friday, just an overall, just one of my, f- just, I love days like that, I told you this last week, these are the days I live for, where you just spend the whole day doing, you know, enjoying the things you enjoy. And uh, it was very varied as well, you know, obviously one thing's a kind of like workshop, I did a lot of work, there was a couple of workshops as well, met some good people, did a bit of networking as well, it was kind of cool, Um, well, hopefully um, a couple of them are listening, so, you know, salutes if you are, Um, but um, yeah, man, some really good stuff, really good stuff overall, can't complain, Um, but yeah, it's just, those are the days I live for, man, those are really the days I live for but we have a show to get on with um and yeah so we have um have a, a politics society music life um segments uh, which kind of mean nothing <laughs> at this point but i just like to i just like to label them um i've kind of removed the reasoning for them but yeah, no, then it, i just like having them there now um, i just like to have that variety just to keep myself on my toes um and yeah so let's jump in but formalities before we begin Email twitter to IG Discording call that all all in the full show notes, please go give these articles for a read, give them a read for yourself and support the writers and make this show possible. And with that said, let the beat drop and let's get to the show. a week where UK sanction Russian oligarchs, a <laughs> bit, bit, too, bit too late on, you know, the 10 years, but got there in the end, uh, actor Jesse Smollett uh, is sentenced to 150 days in jail, and uh, 30 months probation uh, after he was convicted on five of six felony counts of disorderly conduct for lying to police. Uh, the BAFTA's film awards come and go. Um, shout out to LaShonda Lynch for the best, uh, for the rising star, E! Rising Star, something like that. Um, just the blue one, um, really good speech and just uh, you know, couldn't think of a better person for that, uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky uh, virtually addresses US Congress and lastly Nazanin Zagari Radcliffe returns to the UK after six years in Iranian entertainment, um, shout out to that whole family, I know they've been um, going through a lot and uh, yeah man, that's just, that's just an outstanding moment, I can't wait to just get off the hit, get off here and peep the news of it. Um, it's, it's it's great. So let's begin with um Ukraine Russo War, and um, this is just another angle towards it, more domestically, of course. Um, you know, currently I think um Kiev is just being shelled constantly. Uh, Mariupol as well being shelled constantly. Um, that's the uh, kind of just the main ones, obviously. Um, but it's it's all it's all kicking off, man. It's all kicking off. But um, like I said, um, this is more to do uh domestically, more to do on the British side. Um, and just more inside um because you know uh, y- you guys can watch the news if you want to see what's happening you know to be honest so um just going for something a bit different so this is by mr paul Mason um author um and a contributing writer for the new statesman which is where this is housed this is called the ukraine war has invalidated the exit now if you know if you if, you, if you're new to the show i haven't talked about the exit in a bit so if you if you haven't if you're new to this show and don't know what i mean by the exit it's the, U- it's the UK leaving the European Union. I just don't like saying the B word because it, like, it's too casual for such a monumental occasion. So I call it the exit to make it just, um, I don't know, just, it just sounds more proper. Like Just saying ugh, the other one just, it sounds like a Brexit. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a breakfast bar. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't like it. And funny, the first word is that word. So <laughs> let's jump right in. <laughs> Fuck's sake. The exit in its original form is dead. Killed by the new geopolitical realities created by the born Ukraine. I doubt that the UK will rejoin the EU in time soon, but its whole attitude toward, uh, to Europe will have to change on defence, on energy, and even on trade itself. To understand why I consider delusional text rich- written by Boris Johnson introducing the Integrated Review, a comprehensive foreign and security strategy issued by Downing Street last March. The exit, he said, had set Britain free, quote, Free to tread our own path, blessed with a global network of friends and partners, and with the opportunity to forge new and deeper relationships, unquote. The UK would be the buccaneering free agent, ducking and diving across Asia, the Americas and the, and the Pacific, promoting free trade in place of established trading blocks, and moving its armed forces into the Indo-Pacific. Where is that freedom now? It has vanished for four reasons. First, China and Russia have forged a strategic economic alliance. The, de- the declaration co-signed in Beijing on the 4th of February effectively declared an end to the quote-unquote rules-based global order unquote designed in 1945. In its place, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping have inaugurated an era of systemic con- conflict uh, where trade information flows and access to raw materials will move along paths determined by the lights of militarized dictatorships. Second, because proximity suddenly matters. Western sanctions on Russia are reshaping the world economy. Though Russia represents only 3% of global GDP, the impact of removing everything from civilian aviation to credit cards and McDonald's will be felt worldwide. You, on- you need only watch how urgently America is scrambling to appease oil-producing Venezuela to understand the importance of geographic nearness. Thirdly, we have entered an energy war will last until the end of the carbon age. Well, even more reason to get all the carbon age then, isn't it? Let's continue. The US is self-sufficient in fossil fuels. Europe is not. If Putin switches the lights off in Italy and Germany, the two biggest guzzlers of Siberian gas, then no matter how quickly, quickly the UK government builds wind farms and nuclear power stations, will still be part of a con- continental energy crisis requiring continental solutions. Fourth, in this new situation, the European Union either becomes a global power, co-equal to Russia, China, and the U.S., or it becomes the chessboard across which the others fight. Hard exit was always premised on the ba- on the breakup and decline of the EU. If that were to happen now, it would be a catastrophe for Britain and a victory for Putin. The emergence of a systemic conflict mandates that Britain re-engage with Europe on defence projects in space and even at the basic level of getting humanitarian goods out of Dover into Calais. The EU knows it must achieve strategic autonomy, the ability to defend itself, regulate its information space, and heat the homes of 500 million people without reliance on Russian gas, much faster than it imagined. Once it does so, the UK will become its satellite. By choosing the hard exit... Uh, Johnson deliberately walked away from 70 years of British leadership in Europe. Who benefited? Ultimately, Vladimir Putin. The next government is going to have to rebuild trade, energy, space, space, internet, and defence collaboration with the EU. Uh, which means common standards and ultimately, a common market. Da, 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 da. The xenophobes, little Englanders, and poon stooges who inflicted this predicament on us should never be forgiven well well yeah for sure you know that's, that's a, a standard procedure all right ladies and gentlemen if you if all the homies hate uh hate the exit right i've i've said it before and i'll say it again the reason why i personally you know chose to um uh, i voted to remain and thought that was the most logical option was because we have we have things in place we weren't, you know, we weren't having, we weren't in a placement of an embarrassment of riches. Okay, at that same time, and still now, even more so, probably in a lot of these cases, right? In a lot of the cases, I'm about to, um, you know, uh, shout out: child poverty, uh, food banks, uh, crime, uh, policing. I literally, uh, t- yesterday, I saw something about a 15 year old girl getting strip searched by the police. A 15-year-old black, a black girl or something? Are you fucking mad? And you think we're good, honestly? So I, fi- I found the exit as a pointless exercise, right? An exercise in some in, in a country that assumes it was in such a good place. You know what I mean? That's the only way I see it. Like, uh, they genuinely thought we were in a good place. And I was here like just saying, hello, this thing, that thing, this thing going on, this thing going on. Like We don't have time for it. And instead, the whole news cycle for three years was literally the exit and related to the exit. And now I'm hearing shit about fucking fishermen, beefing with French fishermen. Like, come on, bro. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Obviously, it's it's important in some way, right? Of course it is. Everything's important in some way. Everything has a purpose. But it's still bullshit to me. I just don't really... I just don't I just don't see why people thought like yeah yeah let's do this let's do this large thing that will shake that will shake up our entire ecosystem, um you know figurative, figurative, figuratively and literally like we have stuff we have stuff that needs to be done like really is the EU the biggest problem right now like in our relationship with the EU is that biggest problem, um but now it's all fucked now it's all fucked because um you know Russia decided to um you know just um, I was I was about to say blow everything up, but um, you know that that's that's um, I'm saying obviously obviously uh, you know figuratively, but you know it might 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 be a thing. <laughs> I mean, this is a thing, possibility. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna gonna step away from that one. Um But mate, I just uh, I mean this is this is this is 15 minutes. This is like 10 or so minutes of me just like saying I was right. Um But you know, in defence of you know the. Second to last comment saying, uh, you know, who benefited ultimately Vladimir Putin? You know, obviously, none of us saw this coming, right? But then again, but then again, Crimea happened in what 2014? So, eh, you know, warning signs were there. So, um, regardless of, 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 of that, I just, I just, you know, I am more of a, um, you know, they, they always talk about unity, right? Always, always talking about unity. I mean, they're doing it now as a conservative party, they're doing it right now. Have you seen the Sue Gray report yet? What's going on with that? Uh, that that's the other thing. You guys can't walk and chew gum, right? You, you you guys can, you know, do your jobs politically, right? You, you can, uh, you know, kick this fucker out. No, no. Okay, okay. You know who's losing out? Rishi Sunak. <laughs> he was like, shit, man. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get prime minister. Bro, I'm gonna be the bro. I'm gonna be the first, uh, first uh, South Asian British prime minister, bro, of South Asian descent. That's how they do I'm, 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 good. And then just, uh, and then all this kicks off, and everyone's like, and I love it. I love them in these moments where like um, people just can't do things. Oh, because we have to keep the status quo. It's like no, 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 no. We, you can, you can. You, there's a reason everyone's a minister for something. We have a minister for everything. There's a reason why we do that, right? There's a reason why we have that is we, so we can dole out the jobs, okay? And everyone can walk and chew gum. That's literally it. So you can do this, you can do this, and you can do this. The fact that Boris Johnson still should be kicked out the fucking building has nothing to do with everyone else until there's obviously a cabinet reshuffle. But then again, why re- why reshuffle? Obviously, you want to do that in terms of leadership. Oh, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop. The, the exit was bollocks, and lardy fucking Darcy it's getting, it's getting even worse. I just, I don't know. It's, it's the anarchist in me loves seeing the exit. as just um one self-inflicted shotgun to the fucking leg, and um you know just just in one side I feel like just watching the leg bleed, you know what I mean? So the anarchist in me loves reading this type of shit because you know it's just it's just fun watching people be wrong in some ways, and uh, you know so I can just morally be correct and be on the right side of history. It's you know with all the things that happen and how small you feel, small you may feel in the world. It's nice just have, just it's nice just knowing that you're on the right side of history. You know, it's just it's just nice to know. Let's hop to music, and I just want to say for the record, this will be the first and only time I'm going to talk about Kanye West or yay, is he Like, is he, is he, is he? Uh, I don't know if he's actually officially changed it or not, but people are titling it as yay, so I'll respect that. I'll respect the man's name, but I'm not going to respect the person at all. Um, so this is uh, an article I found, a little opinion piece via um, the Grio uh, by Miss Seally Abrams. Um, it's called "When Will the Cult of Ye Stop Absolving the Troubled Genius," and um, yeah, I think uh, you know it's easy. It's easy enough to to gather where this is going to go. So let's jump right in. Depending on who you ask, the artist formerly known as Kanye West, now known sim- now simply Ye, could be considered abusive or a genius, or as he says, a genius. Obviously, spelled like the uh, nerd Netflix documentary. With regard to the form of characterization it's a simple statement that at first glance comes off as acu- accusatory or inflammatory. Yet, in light of what we have recently seen uh, play out in the public arena, what had been whispered, uh, whispered about in entertainment injury circles has emerged with a roar. It is impossible to ignore Ye's torrential, dig- digital, verbal, emotional and psychological harassment of his estranged wife Kim Kardashian and, by extension, the effect it may have on their four children. After years of gawking and gleefully reporting, the media machine has finally begun to acknowledge that Ye's response to Kim's divorce petition is more than fodder for laughs, or an opportunity to engage in schadenfreude uh, due to the love-hate relationship society has had with Kim. His use of Instagram to inundate her with her and her new boyfriend Pete Davidson, or as Ye calls him Skeet, uh, with all, co- all caps rants and, me- excuse me, and memes, um, have ranged from pitiful and cringeworthy to out-and-out psychological warfare. A narrative has arisen around Ye that held him as a wounded per-eternus, uh, or eternal child, thank you for saying what that is. Um, he is alternativ- alternatively and simultaneously a creative genius and the enfant terrible of hip-hop. His erratic and even allegedly physically aggressive behaviour was initially attributed to his grief over the 2007 death of his beloved mother Donda, In 2018, he disclosed he had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder two years prior when he was involuntarily hospitalised in November of 2016. His transparency opened the doors for sympathy and empathy from a public that had been castigating him for his increasingly frequent public meltdowns. Nearly half a decade later, Ye's behaviour continues to spiral and public online conversations have shifted from discussing his mental health to armchair analyses of his escalating antics. Whatever goodwill he garnered from the initial disclosure of his mental health changes has begun to evaporate since Kim went public with a new romance. In the song and video for "Easy," the single he released last Wednesday, Ye not only fulfills his murderous f- fantasies about Skeet, he even goes as far as to say in his lyrics that he refuses professional psychological intervention. Quote, Mr. Narcissist, tell me about my arrogance, he rhymes, no more counselling, I don't negotiate with therapists, unquote. Accordingly, Ye- Ye's well-documented struggles with bipolar disorder can no longer elide, I think it's elide, or lied, uh, his treatment of others. His actions towards Kim, their children, Davidson, and everyone else in his orbit are no longer seen as um, anomalies, but the norm of his oeuvre. Uh, his current actions are just the latest in a long list of alleged and reported conduct that has spanned over a decade. Ex-girlfriend Amber Rose, has detailed his 10-year bullying campaign against, uh, against her following their 2010 split. Accounts of abusive behaviour aren't limited to the internet. This January, he was named as a, a suspect of a criminal investigation for an alleged attack of an aut- autograph seeker. In the maelstrom that is the world of Ye, widespread condemnation of his arguably abusive exploits can shift to fawning and sympathetic in, in a matter of hours, as evidenced during the premiere of the Netflix documentary on his life. Once again the focus is on Ye's wounds, Ye's dreams, Ye's trials, Ye's heartbreaks and once again a distracted public his eyes from the seemingly daily trauma inflicted on the wife he won't let go and potentially the young brood as well. Both past and present the reports and allegations are damning, digital bullying, messy breakups, public meltdowns, accusations of unpaid wages, Instagram wars, slander, emotional intimidation. A less talented person would have lost all credibility long ago, never mind if they were a woman, particularly a black woman. One need only to look at the public perceptions of Azalea Banks, who has also called out Ye's actions in recent months. Ye, however, is not just a self-proclaimed creative genius and, quote, greatest artist that God ever created, unquote, but a man widely considered one of the most prolific musical artists of his generation. The critique in The Critique of Judgment, Emmanuel Kent. Himself, a brilliant yet sexist and racist man, defined genius as "quote the exemplary originality of the natural endowments of an individual of his cognitive faculties." Unquote. Much of the mythos surrounding them lies in their ability to work outside of boundary, out of the boundaries of social convention. Whenever a genius is critiqued for their interpersonal conduct, we are not only challenging the mythos of the individual in question, but a core tenet of aesthetic freedom. Genius and a tendency towards abhorrent behaviour in men deemed to possess this rare quality are wedded in the collective psyche. Thus, when geniuses terrorise their former partners, friends or family members, their actions are seen as an ethical lapse rather than antisocial abuses of power. A genius cannot be constrained and, in fact, is someone to be indulged, lest things as banal as ethics or morals clip their brilliant wings. Miles Davis, Pablo Picasso, and writer Norman Mailer are men who, like Ye, uh, were considered geniuses, and who, like Ye, had a god complex combined with a conflicted relationship with women. Mailer's wives, Picasso's many muses, Davis's ex-wives, Betty Davis and Cicely Tyson all are women who strain to survive the many forms of documented harms inflicted upon them by the male geniuses with whom they were partnered. If one were to ask a fan these uh, if were one if one were to ask a fan of these men about their transgressions, it would likely be met with denial, an IRL, or a swarm of online abuse. We shield ourselves from any critical analyses of the genius artiste by invoking the sacredness of their art, The sacred exists exists beyond the corporeal corporeal realm? Corporeal corporeal realm? Corporeal. Corporeal. Corporeal? (laughs) I hate when I do this. Perhaps this is why geniuses are not held to the same standards as mere mortals. It is a logical fallacy to insist that the personal life of a genius has no bearing on their creative pursuits. The appreciation of art is invariably tied up in our perception of the artist. Ye yeah, is a genius, he is a father and a son, he is a man struggling with his mental health, he is a control freak with a gold complex, he is a person who will utilise every resource at his disposal to try and get the people in his life to fall in line, all of these identities coexist and all can be acknowledged at the same time, Yeah, he doesn't need additional acolytes worshipping at the altar of his genius at his Sunday services, instead we need an honest conversation about the role uh, the genius archetype plays in the cult of celebrity, and how it in inures ins- ins- us from acknowledging the damage being done before our very eyes, suppose so simply I agree, right? I agree with the entire sentiment of not of people not being able to like remove the objective you know creative genius element of it and also the element that he's uh, you know. PC does not a bit non-PC to say this, but a nut job, right? He's a nut job at this point. Like he ain't taking his meds. Nut job. I think I, I think I, I think I'm safe on that. Okay. So how do you break that down? How do you break Miles Davis down? How do you break James Brown down? You know, we all do it, right? Where we have um, you know people. Um, Where we, maybe maybe, uh, are put onto their legacy, right? And this is the entire point about education, right? Where you know showing the positives of everything doesn't doesn't sometimes doesn't show everything. You gas up Winston Churchill for being the person to win, you know, to help to lead the country into uh, into victory, uh, World War Two, but then also for uh, but then forgo. The fact that, you know, he was basically like, you know, Indians, right? <laughs> it's like, just, just Google, just, just Google Winston Churchill, India. You're going to get some information there, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to get some information, okay? And this is the thing. You have to put a certain word. You can't just put Kanye West. Because then, because it's then just, just going to show you that he's a producer, a rapper, an artist, and they're just going to show you a couple of albums he's dropped. Right? He's just going to show. They're going to show you, you know, top songs. Right? That's what. That's what the search engines will show you. Okay. So, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Um, sure. Right. You give the base. You give the base case of just um. You know, this person does this. Right. Unless the dude went to jail for it, I mean, even then, I remember a couple of, um, I remember a few months ago, like sometime last year, when Phil Spencer died, the producer Phil Spencer, uh, I think his name's Phil Spencer, Specter, Phil Specter, Phil Specter, I think that was his name, um, the guy who created the wall of sound, right? And, um, as I rub, I'm cleaning my glasses up, it's been raining, um, and, um, I, I was I was I was reading it. I was reading I think an obituary of him um, because I didn't know who he was, right? But people were gassing him up. I was just like, okay, let me look into it. So I read this article, and they, and you know it was a pretty good obituary for obituary for what obituary is supposed to be, right? it's supposed to be you know a kind of encapsulation of of one's life, right? In in a in a readable chunk, right? And it's hard to do, you know. It's hard to not make it an essay, but you know people managed to do people managed to do good obits around these around these parts. So I was reading that, and um, the guy's a dickhead, right? The, the guy was a dickhead. He was a genius, but he was also a dickhead that, that had a loaded gun in studios. Are you fucking mad? And I, I, remember, I remember reading that bit. I remember that so vividly, of reading that part, and I'll be just like, okay, I'll just leave the studio. You're not having me be creative when you're holding a loaded gun at me, and you're literally pointing it at me. Are you fucking mad? What am I supposed to do with that information? Like I'm, I'm going to process that and go, okay, you're crazy. I'm going to leave now. I'm going to leave your company right now. And it's the same with someone like Kanye. I th- I feel it's the same with someone like Kanye, right? I haven't listened to Donda. I haven't listened to Donda 2. I have no interest in t- doing so anymore. I have no interest in looking up new Kanye music. A couple years ago, I was just like, okay, if ain't music, don't talk to me. And now it's the point where I'm just like, I don't even care about the music anymore. I really don't. It's just gone to that point for me. And it may not have gone to that point for you. But honestly, I think the the one thing I take away from this, these com- these kind of conversations, because you know, it, it's it's been, it's been rinsed, right? It's been rinsed of talking about the art the artist, or you know, how do you take it in, yada yada yada. Hey man, just fucking learn about the person. Just learn about the person and you know and then and then gauge and then and then gauge what you feel. You know? I've 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 listened to many I've listened to many artists and I and I know nothing about their personal lives. I'm sure if I ever look into a couple of them, I might be a bit horrified. I might be. But sometimes it never gets to that. It really doesn't. How many artists do you know, do you think you know inside out? Not many. But it's only because people like Kanye are doing this kind of shit where he's like constantly Instagramming bullshit, he's doing music videos of claymation uh, Pete Davidson getting fucking buried alive and shit. Like you know, that's a bit overt, and I'm just and you and you can't dodge that. And it's just like okay, well that's clearly something's on your mind, and I'm not supporting that, so I'm good. But if Kanye was doing just happy music, then it would it might not have, it might not matter. It'd be even harder to co- contextualize this. But the one thing I I leave with this is, and this is kind of where I stand on a lot of things, uh, when it pertains to Uh, ...celebrities, notable people... ...if they're not paying you... ...get their dick out of your mouth... ...okay? I don't want to hear people... ...talking to me... ...about someone they're a fan of... ...right? ...and going like... ...no, no, you just don't understand... ...no... ...don't give me that... ...okay? If an artist I liked... ...was doing this shit... ...I'd probably dip off him as well... ...okay? I've done it before... Or even with that, I would maybe, I'd separate. I'd do, it, I'd do it, I'd be like, okay, I still fuck with the music. I still fuck with the music, right? Have I? Am I listening to them regularly? A little less so. But I'd still listen to it. It's only when it gets to the point of like, I don't know, R. Kelly. Where it's like, you can't separate the music there. Because he's literally talking about women. Well, he's talking about girls in a lot of the in a lot of the senses, and it's easy to make that connection. And the dude went to jail for it, rightly so. You know, and Kanye's doing a very similar thing, not a, not a, not in a criminal sense, or maybe in a criminal sense in terms of harassment and you know online stalking in some ways, right? You can make an argument for that, All right? But um, you know that may be down the line, but you can do that, and you see him doing music videos about burying Pete Davidson alive. And you can't separate that and you're just like, okay, I'm just gonna not not gonna do that. You know? Art is interesting in that way where, you know, if they're just outwardly harping on that certain subject that you may not may or may not agree with, then it's kinda hard to separate it. But if it's someone like uh you know, if it's someone who just, you know, I don't know deals drugs. But instead, but does music about sitting by the bay, then you can you can separate that. Just some sometimes you can't. Just sometimes you can't. Even more so when it comes to jazz. Like what the fuck are you can do, with Miles Davis. You just plays, he just plays a fucking trumpet, bro. <laughs> he, he just composes and, pay, and plays the trumpet. What does that have to do with um, you know what, what he did to Cecily and Betty Davis, right? And this all comes off as a bit. Um, <laughs> I'm sure this comes off as a little bit as. Um, you know, just uh, not taking the situation seriously. But I, th- I, f- I, f- I, think I do. I think I do. In in most cases, I think rationally. And my rational thought towards Kanye is the dude's clearly not well, not well, and I'm not. I'm not supporting it. I'm not supporting any of that. I just don't care. If he wants to get help, he can get help. He's good. He's good to get help. He's he's a very notable person. He can find help. But he's choosing not to, and I'm not choosing to fuck with anymore. Simple as. So let's hop into film, and we have a little commentary here um, by Mr. Dante Stewart um, of Anscape, formerly The Unbeard. Um, this is all about Ryan Coogler's um, uh, video, the, the video of uh, Ryan Coogler, uh, director, obviously, noble director, right director, um, and producer, um, basically being, well, the the, the the article talks about it. If you haven't seen it, it's fine. I haven't seen it either. I've seen, well, I have seen like five seconds of it. I have not seen it all in its entirety, and I don't choose to, and you have the right to do so if you don't want to. Um, you know, it's, it's some, you don't need to, right? There's really no need Like you know, take the word for it. Um, this is called For a Few Minutes We Watch Director Ryan Coogler Endure the Trauma of Anti-Blackness. So uh, let's jump right in. On Thursday, I sat at the dining table in my hotel room in Nashville, Tennessee, trying to write. I took two sips from my coffee and looked out my window, watching two men laugh as they talked about a high school football game. I texted my wife, quote, uh, quote, the cop literally pulled a gun on him. I had a period because that sentence alone made me pause and remember the time my brother DePaul told me a police officer pulled a gun on him and our cousins. The cop literally pulled a gun on him, I said again, in two seconds. I've watched the video ten times, I added, picking up my cold bits of coffee and taking three sips. I haven't watched, she said. I understand why. She once watched a video game, a uh, video game, a video of the time where a white man took pictures of me during my run, telling me I didn't belong in this neighborhood before scampering into his home to do something. My wife has also seen countless videos of police gunning down or beating down unarmed black people. So it's no surprise uh, that when I asked if she had seen a video of law enforcement officers uh, detaining director Ryan Coogler, a Bank of America branch in the Buckhead neighborhood in Atlanta, she did it. She hadn't. The trauma of anti-blackness does that to us. We try to pay attention, but often it costs us uh, costs a lot more than we can afford to give. It does not just harm uh, harm us and police us. That harm and policing of a black man in this case tramples over us, uh, tramples our civil rights, erases our feelings, and forces us to relive moments of trauma we would have otherwise wanted to forget. The video of Coogler standing in front of a bank teller minding his own black business while officers approached him from behind felt like the beginning of a horror film black people have seen way too many times. After being asked for a quote-unquote favour from the cops, one officer quickly unholstered his gun. Come this way, put your hands behind your back, an officer says to the Black Panther director. Apparently, after having done something as normal as requesting money to take out of his own account, Coogler was mistaken for a bank robber, or because he wrote a note on the back of his withdrawal slip in the hopes that he could remain safe. After all, after all, taking out 12000 in cash uh, can make anyone a target. And Kugler wanted to avoid being robbed. Instead of the familiar camaraderie that we sometimes feel when we're black in public together, the black female bank teller called the police on the award-winning director. Kugler was detained. Quote, I need you to understand. One officer says before telling Kugler what he should have done uh, as they stood outside the bank. Have you ever considered speaking to them about what it is you're trying to do? The officer asked uh, Shiding Kugler uh, for not asking to speak to a manager to take out his money. Despite showing his identification and bank card, somehow this whole thing was seen as Kugler's fault. He was not only thrust into position to advocate for himself, but he also had to do so in front of two people, two police officers, no less, who believed they knew better. I'm not trying to fuck around here, bro. I'm I'm not trying to say out loud how much money I'm taking out, Kugler says trying to explain how he's aware that safety isn't g- uh, given. As an Oakland, California native, he likely learned this lesson early. You're explaining your perspective, Kuga says, his voice audibly shaken. You're the ones with the guns and vest. What's my perspective? He asked the officers to understand where he's coming from. They didn't respond. I couldn't watch anymore. In a span of 22 minutes, Kuga had been questioned, detained, blamed, erased, silenced, and then humiliated. Perhaps that's why I on my head. And what really breaks my heart, the humiliation. Most of us know the ways anti-blackness harms our bodies, especially when exercised uh, uh, through policing and the distrust of black normalcy. We can list countless names of those who've been beaten and killed by police. There was also another story to be told of how anti-blackness harms our spirits and ourselves. I mean, if we are safe from anti-blackness in places like Atlanta, Black Atlanta with black people owning homes and companies and running businesses and city uh, politics and making more bread than I can ever dream of having, then what will protect us? The truth is, none of it is uh, enough to guard uh, to guard against the ways we have all been trained to view whiteness as sacred, but look at blackness with suspicion. And when I saw that video in Cougar's reaction, his mouth said a lot, but his body said so much more. None of us are safe. Ten years ago, I was even a bar in Greenville, South Carolina, after having seen one of my friends play a gig. My Clemson sweatshirt, uh, the ones were uh, we're given as a football team to wear before games, couldn't stop the penetrating chill of that evening or the cold looks of the cops who stopped me just 15 minutes later. You were driving suspiciously, an officer said. I was trying to make it home. I was just trying to make it home. Uh, then one cop appeared, uh, then another and another. I was sitting in my car calling my mother. A police officer shined his light in my face, uh, looking at me and then back to another officer. With a vehicle like yours, you don't want to be driving out here this late. Your car looks suspicious. Your car is the type of car that drug dealers drive. I had to make sure you wasn't a drug dealer, he explained. I was driving a black 1995 Honda Record with tinted windows, trying to find my way to US Route uh, 123 to get home. You're free to go, he finally said. But what he didn't realize is that I was already free. I could, could go wherever I wanted, but he impinged on those freedoms because he had the power to do so. Gotta put a pin in that one. I didn't understand it then, like I do now. They know they would. They know they were not just armed with bullets. They were armed with the fear. They called in the question of my ability to get lost, find my way, and just make it home safely. Uh, they were armed with much more than authority. They were armed with the ability to humiliate and take my life. The officers were, in my case, were white. Uh, the officers and teller in Kugler's case were black. We both lived to tell the story. But we also live to carry the hurt. Let's be clear about this. Anti-blackness is never far away. And racism is not just about white men in white hoods doing terrible things to black people. It's also about the ways in which we uh, black people can also treat other black folks as criminals without any concern of what can happen or how much it takes from us. Uh, you were born where you were born and faced a future that you faced because you were black and for no other reason, James Baldwin writes in the intimate reminder to his nephew in the fire next time. Another quote, the limits to your ambition were thus expected to be settled. You were born into a society which spelled out with brutal clarity that in in as many ways as possible that you were a worthless human being, unquote. And that clarity and those limits and that worthlessness it's not just policed by white people; it's also policed by people who look like us, and we need to be free from it. Baldwin is clear: this is not a given; it is something that we have learned and have been forced into. This world forces black people to endure much more than we ever should. No matter how much we run, or how much we make, uh, or how much we try and do things, quote unquote, the right way, it can be impossible to keep our bodies and spirits safe from the terrible ways people see us. Uh, and the ways in which we see ourselves. And at some point, what happened to Kugler, what happened to me, will happen again. Black people should not, have to, should not have to be perfect or seem perfect, or say, uh, do the right things in order just to simply exist. There are those com- commenting online that argue Q- uh, Kugler should not have worn sunglasses or a mask, despite coronavirus pandemics or claiming it without of day. Or that he should have made his request out loud. None of that matters, or better yet, none of that should matter, ever matter. Uh, What matters right now is that all of this has happened and that he has to live with the fallout. We must do what we can to care for him. We must do what we can to care for others who have experienced such indignities. Google did not deserve that, none of us do. Every effort to find the right words for what I felt in my body as I watched the video failed me. I'm simply angry. Angry that he had to endure that. Angry and angry someone black was a catalyst for his pain. I'm angry how he'd been blamed and angry others will use this story as a weapon against others in our communities, like black women and LGBTQ people who are silenced and erased. I am angry that what should have been an easy transaction became a traumatic experience. I am angry that I have to talk to my son about what could happen in your home, in your car, in your school, and now at the bank. But more than anger, I feel profound sadness and deep compassion for Kugler and so many like him, like me. We don't just deserve to be free; we deserve to live and create a fail and dream and be ordinary in peace. Quote, the situation should have never happened, Kugler said in a statement to Variety. However, Bank of America worked with me and addressed it to my satisfaction. We have moved on. Unquote. That this incident happened as he is finishing up the sequel to blockbuster hit Black Panther is not lost on me. Sadly. To do what we have to do, and create what we have to create. We are forced not only to endure racism, but also not be stopped by it. I don't think anyone should have to be so superhuman and fantastic to have to move in the world that way. But we do, and we feel it, and that makes us human. Okay, so that's the full arc right there. And, um... Yeah, man, I I don't really have uh, much comment on it, um... Like I said, I haven't seen the video and I don't really intend to. Um, you know, I can take, I can read something like that and completely get where it's coming from, right? And I don't, f- and oh, well, <laughs> I was about to say, um, you know, you don't have to be um, non-white to understand. But I don't know, man. I don't know. Sometimes, you. sometimes people just don't get it. Most of the time, people just don't get it. That's why I like the Irish, you know. Like they, like the Irish always. The Irish get it. Like they get oppression because they too have been oppressed. You know, you don't go through something like the troubles and not, you know, have a, a an acute understanding. I'm gonna roll back quickly to like um uh to to, to my event on Friday that I talked about at the start of the show. Um, Ronan Bennett, who is white, by the way, he's, he's white, he's Irish, um, and uh, obviously, a top boy, right, and someone asked that question, someone, someone asked as, you know, a white creator, um, you know, how do you, uh, how do you, uh, f- correctly, um, you know, view black people in your scripts, um, and how do you, you know, can you, how do you do it in certain, you know, in terms of like, empathy, yada, yada, right, the question was different, but, you know, y- you can see where I'm going with it. And you know he he made a good answer in the fa- and she kind of led him to it by saying, you know, she's part Irish, right? And um, you know, people are aware of uh, the troubles and stuff like that. Um, when you, when, when, <laughs> Amen. When Babylon squeezes you down, everyone, see, uh, everyone else who also is also being squeezed by Babylon sees it. You know, and that's why I, I, have, this, I have this weird affinity for. Like um, you know, uh, uh, Irish and and uh, Liverpudlians as well. I just have a weird affinity for them because like they they, they they specifically understand you know just uh the bullshit that comes about, right? And I'm not saying they have the same. Well, I don't know. I can't say. I can't. I haven't experienced their pain. They haven't experienced our pain as non-white people. But there's an a kinship. There's a kinship there. And I really respect that. That's kind of a, that's kind of a tangent from you know the overall story, and you know I feel bad for uh, Ryan Cougar, of course. Um, that's just uh, it's just and, and it is it is genuinely. I didn't know that the bank teller was black, and I didn't know the police officer was black, and I and that that really that really makes you think, like that side of it really makes you think because you know, you just assume right, you just assume the cop is white, you assume the bank teller was white you just assume right i was thinking of the scene in uh, the Harder They fall where um where, uh, nat love has to and coffee have to uh, rob the uh, uh <laughs> i think it's called white town or something where the town is white and this is for the white people I, I was thinking of that right and the, I, I saw in the couple of second video i saw the bank of america building was very white it just it just fit my it just fit my brain um but i didn't i didn't see the bank town she was black that just that that, that side of it I don't have time to break that down honestly, but um I think that's the main thing I will leave this um, leave this story with, just thinking about that and um that's why i anti blackness that's why the term anti blackness is used here um because anybody can be anti black even black people can be anti black right and that's that's the that's a layer. That, that is so rarely um, that's so rarely tackled because we're still trying to get people to understand the baseline of just what racism is and white and what white then the next level of that is whiteness and then the next level of that is anti-blackness we haven't even got to whiteness properly yet like pe- people just get so confused when people try and explain that it's so' it's, it's, it's jarring um, but yeah man just um, I don't know man anti-blackness wow is definitely a thing and um yeah something um i'm definitely gonna be thinking about finish up on life and this is uh, by national geographic this is called uh, how physical greetings evolved and post pandemic how uh, they're likely to change this is by dominic bliss and uh yeah i just i just found this um i found the history of it especially very fascinating um they, they literally start off with like um, different uh ways or different methods of greetings physical greetings and um, you know, most of us use, uh, you know, that classic handshake, a hug, right, a kiss and a hug, or a bit of dap, you know what I mean, uh, you, know, d- 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 you know, spuds, you know what I mean, uh, you know, we, ha- we have a few, but, um, you know, there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a lot of variety in a lot of cultures, and I find that interesting, so, uh, yeah, let's just see, let's just see how this goes. Uh, let's jump around. In New Zealand, they rub noses. Tibetans stick out their tongues. In Zambia, they like to squeeze thumbs. Uh, Really rhymed. Uh, on the Polynesian island of Tuvalu, they sniff cheeks. The Maasai people, uh, tribes people of Kenya, are known to spit on the ground. In certain parts of India, people greet their elders by touching their feet. Over the course of history, we human beings have developed some strikingly varied greeting methods. During the global pandemic, many of these were scaled back drastically for fear of infection. The more intimate ones may change forever. Uh, clearly, greetings are an essential aspect of human interaction. Andy Scott is author of One Kiss or Two, In Search of the Perfect Greeting. In his book, he explains how salutations unify us, maintain social ties, signal acceptance, and, quote, incorporate ourselves into a social setting, unquote. Many Britons are famously uh, maladroit uh, when it comes to greeting rituals, often unsure whether to shake hands, hug, or kiss, and embarrassed as a result. Scott, who works as a conflict advisor at the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, attributes this to a combination of factors. The fallout from our former class hierarchy, a post-imperial malaise, our position in limbo between the United States and Europe, and an uncertainty about our future. Greetings anxiety, he calls it. More recently, the exit has underlined any perceived divide between Britain and continental Europeans and their assortment of kisses and tactile gestures. Meanwhile, hashtag MeToo movement has encouraged many to consider the implications of unwelcome uh, social and professional kissing and hugging quote it all creates even more of a social mind feel for us scott tells natural geographic uk right now we're going through a period of national reflection and there's a degree of national self-doubt there's a whole confusing set of historical social and political forces going on which are reflected in the smallest aspects of human behavior especially greens because they are so heavily ritualized Unquote. he points out how we both uh, how we look both West to our American cousins... With their confident hugs and diagonal hand clasps... <laughs> that's, a, that's a very geeky way of saying... Um, and, and East to our European cousins... With their double kisses and chows... Uh, quote, but ultimately we're still not entirely comfortable with any of it... Unquote. Yeah that's fair... Um, even so... There are certain benefits to our awkwardness and clumsiness... When greeting people... Quote, it certainly allows us to fall back on humour... Scott adds... I guess ironically... Through messing up our greetings and being able to joke about them, we perform one of the fundamental tasks of greeting, which is to relax each other and create bonds, unquote. In his book, Scott analyses various stages of human salutations in detail. Spotting someone from a distance, we initially wave. On coming closer, we might flash our eyebrows, smile, and toss ahead before delivering a hi or hello. A close-up is where the rituals become more complicated, depending on where in the world you find yourself. As Scott notes in the Victorian era, British anthropologist Henry Ling Roth Point, pinpointed over 150 different greeting variants, uh, ranging from clapping hands, pressing thumbs, and clicking fingers to patting stomachs, slapping breast oh that sounds unpleasant. Squeezing nostrils, that sounds really unpleasant, and sniffing cheeks. Uh, fortunately nowadays, certainly in the Western world, the most common, of course, is the handshake. As with most human behavior, there are, are pragmatic roots to the gesture. Waving or extending an empty right hand proves you're not concealing a weapon. Shaking a stranger's hands would dislodge a knife hidden up a sleeve. Uh, Some historians suggest shaking hands later became universally popular thanks to the influence of 17th century Quakers, who deemed it a more egalitarian alternative to doffing a hat or bowing. Estimates vary, but an oft-quoted figure is that most of us will shake hands around 15,000 times during our lifetime. Quote, uh, the beautiful thing about the handshake is that it's so egalitarian, says Ella Al-Shamahi, a anthropologist, natural geographic explorer, and author of The Handshake, A Gripping History. <laughs> That's a nice title. Uh, Continuing on with the quote, If you think about the Middle Ages in Europe, there were so many hierarchical greetings, uh, because the society was really hierarchical, and sexes. And as democracy is on the rise, and gender equality is on the rise, you see those other greetings, in the cur- like the curtsy and the bowing, Uh, And the kissing on the hand are falling by the wayside. I miss kissing by the hand, man. Just, you know, know, wow. I respect it. I respect that. It's it's very, I respect the respect respect of it, you know what I mean? Anyway, uh, the only ones that remain are these really egalitarian ones. The handshake is so wonderful as as it's about reciprocity, it's a mirror image of yourself, unquote. But even this simple gesture has spawned dozens of variations. Ranging from the diagonal hand clasp, the fist bump, and the high five, to the double handshake or the elbow grasp, and then a variety of secret handshakes employed by organizations such as the Freemasons, (laughs) okay, Uh, (laughs) and just you know general, uh, uh, okay, Uh, then come the hugs and the kisses, which is where Britons often so often find themselves out of their comfort zone. While the all-embracing hug stems from our childhood need for parental warmth and emotion. The swifter patting of the back may originally have been a subtle form of frisking to check guests weren't hiding weapons behind their backs. Interesting. Did not know that. Uh, kissing is more complicated, <sighs> uh, as is this name: uh, Ironhouse Eyeball Ibed I Ibez felt. Uh, was an Austrian uh, ethnologist in his book, Fucking Hell, Indoctrinability, Ideology and Warfare: Evolutionary Perspectives. Can we have like a word, just, you know, just less than 10 10 syllables, that'd be great. Um, He explained how lip-to-lip kissing stems from the practice of pre-mastication, pre-mastication, there you go, pre-mastication, or kiss-feeding between mother and child. Andrea Demirgian uh, is author of kissing everything you ever wanted to know about one of life's sweetest pleasures uh, she highlights another theory that prehistoric humans would taste each other's saliva in order to assess whether a potential mate was healthy or not she says that after the black death swept across <laughs> europe in the 40th century mouth-to-mouth kissing sensibly evolved into kissing uh into the less contagious cheek kissing yeah, I'm sure. Over the last two years, our own modern day plague has expunged virtually all physical contact. However, as Scott says, for many British people, social distancing may have been a blessing in disguise. Quote, it was a perfect excuse to neither shake hands nor hug. The pandemic gave us a certainty. For some people, it was a relief because the physical intimacy was taken out of greed, and that's something many struggle with, particularly when confronted with somebody where the relationship is not fully developed, or where you're not quite sure where the social expectations are. Uh, where the thought of going in for a kiss and a hug can fill you with fear, unquote. All of which begs the question, how will we greet one another once the pandemic has fizzled out completely? As history, will, as history suggests, we'll gra- we will gradually turn, return to our old ways. Indeed, after the plagues of Middle Ages and Spanish flu in the early 20th century, humans gradually learned to kiss and hug again. However, even before the COVID pandemic, British forms of salutation were evolving. Affected by... Uh, Multiple factors ranging from age, uh, social class, and geography, to changing social attitudes in light of movements such as B2. But to our shamahi, the pandemic shouldn't cause us to reject contact out of hand, so to speak. Quote, I think touch is absolutely essential in greetings, to do with a whole pile of things. Uh, Touch generally de-stresses us. There's 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 some much data edited um, there's some much data on things like oxytocin uh, but one of the biggest things about one of the bigger things is about chem- chemo signals. there are ways which uh, there are ways we communicate with each other that we're not constantly aware of unquote. She cites an experiment by the Weisman Institute that filmed a group of subjects in a simulated social situation. Uh, using hidden cameras, those who agreed with the handshake were more likely to unconsciously sniff their hands afterwards. Okay. No, don't do that. Um, never done that before. A more modern way of checking out each other's odour. That is very primal. That's, <laughs> that's, that sounds super primal. That sounds weirdly primal. Um, okay. Uh, another quote, I guess. Uh, and the handshake is a vector for that. It says says, it it kind of makes sense when you think of someone, uh, think of some of the older, uh, more anthropological meetings like sniffing each other. Uh, the thinking is, why is there another quotation? Oh, this is weird. The edit. The thinking is, we don't interact like that anymore, but we do. It's just unconscious, uh, and while it probably isn't as important as it must was, it's still part of the mix. Unquote. And it points out how younger generations will eventually set new post-COVID norms of greeting. My gut quote, my gut feeling is that over time with close family and friends, there is that instinct to come together with hugs and handshakes. To some extent, it's down to our confidence over whether coronavirus is eliminated. The handshake seems so universally ingrained, uh, so you'd expect us to revert to it, but there'll be unex- uncertainty and awkwardness about it for some time. Unquote. Another quote by Oshimahi, uh the handshake always comes back We've had so many examples of epidemics and pandemics, such as Spanish flu, destroying the handshake. In all cases, the handshake came, came back. So if I was going to bet, I'd, uh, I'd be take my money, it's going to be fine. In the meantime, the fact that indecision or awkwardness may revolve around the fairly conventional actions of uh, shaking hands, uh, hugging or kissing is perhaps a blessing. Nor greetings are so conservative. In the 1960s, Australian anthropologist Mervyn Meggett uh, described a greeting ritual among male members of the of one Walpiri warl warl W A R L speaking tribe of Australia, which involved placing one's penis in the hands of one's host. Okay, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there <laughs> from the Fifth Venom Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor. And this has been What's good. Into your music has been too much. And you can find his link in the full show notes. Thanks to your Brexit's track. You can also find their link in the full show notes. Thanks to Napier for his charismatic finish. Dude, you can also find his link in the full show notes. And until the next time, hope you all have a good week. I should always try and do the same. Don't whop your meat out to people. But until the next time, take it easy, lads, and chill. <laughs>